week's edition of Big Talk is part one of a two-parter on a proposed new type of neighborhood in Indiana. The Bloomington Co-Housing Project will be a planned community on South Maxwell Street. This week's guest is Lauren Wood, founder of Lauren Wood Builders. He's the developer of the community. Next week's guest will be Marion Sinclair, who was the idea person, one of the co-founders of the organization that got this project underway several years ago. This is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guest this week in the studio, Lauren Wood. He's the owner and proprietor of Lauren Wood Builders. Lauren, thanks for being on Big Talk. Thank you for having me. Lauren, you're involved with Bloomington Co-Housing. What is that? It is uh, Bloomington's first co-housing development. Uh-huh. Uh, co-housing is a, is a concept that has gained popularity in the United States. Uh, it had its, its origins in, in Europe, but it's, a, um, it's a, an intentional community. Now, somehow, as a business person, you have gotten involved with this thing. Uh, previously, it was a nonprofit group that had an idea. Now, you're the guy who can make it happen. So, clearly, you know what you're getting into. I hope so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, by the way, when will the first spade turn over the first bit of earth? We anticipate turning dirt this fall, early winter sometime. The uh-huh. project has been approved by the plan commission, by city council. We are currently, uh, we've submitted the final plat drawings, and that is the final approval step that we need from the city in order to Get an uh, get an excavation permit and and uh, be ready to break ground. So we we plan to to the final plat meeting is this month in October, mm-hmm. and we would hopefully be turning dirt directly after. When the city council approved your PUD, your planned unit development, council member Chris Sturbaum uh, said. I think this is a fantastic project. It's exciting. I think it's going to be wonderful for the future. So you've got the city behind you on this. I was grateful to have Chris Sturbaum's vocal support of the project. You know, he's also a builder in town here and has has set a high bar over the years for uh, socially conscious projects and uh, historic preservation This is an idea that began, as a matter of fact, specifically in Denmark back in the 1960s, co-housing. And there were a couple of Denmark, Danish, I should say, um, advocates for it who wrote newspaper articles back then. One of the early advocates wrote a, a piece in which this person was quoted as saying, children should have 100 parents. Well, that uh, implies that it's a community that's really tight-knit, involved with each other. That's what you're aiming for with this? Yeah, we sure, we sure hope so. And, and one of the ideas, the, the under, underpinnings of, of a co-housing development is, is, you know, with the intentional design, that, that you're designing 
the structure of the neighborhood to facilitate community, you know, parking on the periphery. So as you walk to your home, you have to walk by your neighbor's homes. And just that very physical act of, of not driving into your garage, shutting uh-huh. the garage door and, and shutting yourself in, in your uh, private castle that, that, you know, that it uh, facilitates interactions with your neighbors so uh, at the very basic level the design of the and the layout of the homes facilitates interactions with your neighbors beyond that a a common house is a is a core element of the co-housing design co-housing developments are typically consist of smaller homes in our case between uh 800 and and maybe 1400 square feet Mm -hmm. so not tiny, but uh, but but fairly small by today's standards in the United States. And you have built tiny homes yes, in your time, but these are not tiny homes. These are not tiny homes. These are just m- small homes by today's American standards situated, uh, you know, around an internal green space. So uh-huh. a shared, shared lawn, shared common space, and a shared common house. So while most of the homes don't have four bedrooms and three and a half baths. If people say have guests coming in from out of town, they can have larger gatherings uh, in the common house. And Ah. and typically the common house has some common apartments that can be shared for guests who are in from out of town who maybe can't be accommodated in the, uh, you know, in the, in the main home that they're visiting. Uh, Additionally, I think back to the co-housing design Typically, co-housing communities have some number of common meals uh, each week. Some of them, you know, one week or one every other week. Some of them much more than that. So you don't have to go. You don't have to go, but uh-huh. you can if you want to. I see. So it's a, it's like a, a an informal get together scheduled though, uh, and you get down and you you meet your neighbors. I don't know all my neighbors. Do you know all your neighbors? I don't. <laughs> of course. You and your wife built your own home in rural eastern Monroe County a while back. Uh, you built quite a place there, mostly uh, natural and organic materials. Yep, yeah. Uh, we so we live on a farm on the outside uh-huh. of town, and uh, I will say, you know, just thinking, I've thought about this quite a bit since we've started the co-housing project. I know a lot more of my neighbors now that I live out in the county than I did when I was in town and I lived in Bloomington for years from 95. And your neighbors were right next door. Yeah, but and I think that that, that sort of speaks to the our, our normal way of doing things in the United States where your home is really your private space. And, and I think maybe it has to do with Bloomington's transient community a bit, but I've never known many of my neighbors, even when I lived in the core neighborhoods in Bloomington. And I, I think there's something about being out in the in the country where – People are just more intentional about meeting their neighbors and and talking to their neighbors. The idea then is you're hoping to overcome this facelessness. As a matter of fact, um, if you look at the Bloomington Co-Housing Facebook page, you might see a quote that says, this will be, quote, a sane, friendly alternative to faceless neighbors. So that's the idea. Get to know who you live with. Create a community. That's right. It sounds exciting. We are excited about it. Lornwood Builders, since the inception of our company, we've had a real intentional focus on building community 
largely through com- community involvement with various organizations, Habitat Even for Humanity. Lo- this project. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's just yeah. been a big central focus of who we want to be uh, as a as a company in this town and in this world. And and we talk about building community and and the so when this co-housing project came on my radar, you know, it, it seemed like an opportunity to physically build community, you know, not one one small custom project at a time, but create an an entire little neighborhood community. And that was a really exciting uh, prospect and and felt like it aligned very closely with who we want to be in this community. We did we did a fair amount of homework. Uh, I was I was um, apprehensive about taking on the project, not because I was worried that the project wouldn't have have success in Bloomington, mm-hmm. but it, it's a it's a big, costly, time consuming project, and you know we we wanted to go in with our eyes wide open. At this point, who owns this property? Which, let me add that it is on South Maxwell Street. It's very near the YMCA. It's very near the Bloomington Montessori School, and there's also a little nature preserve that abuts your property to who owns that property it's owned by an llc just uh-huh. a, a, a holding company are you one of the owners yes of it? okay yep. uh anyone else you can mention nope it's just me but that's I, a risk it is a risk yes so you have to sell these how many homes 27 27 homes that's what the plan is right now who's designing these homes mark cornett uh is the lead architect on this project and and he was from the beginning so when we took over the project we just kept him on board we worked with mark and ernesto castaneda uh you know as a supporting architect on his team and uh, so the idea being not only are they building these individual homes but they're building the grounds they're designing the grounds as well absolutely and the grounds, a lot of thought goes into them. You want to create a sort of traffic, as you alluded to earlier, and you want to create space, but you also want to make it convenient and so forth. But people are going to have to leave their home to go to common homes, like in the dead of winter type of thing, too. Mm-hmm. Sort of like old-time living. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, but uh, it's, a, it's a very close... Uh, the the homes are are fairly proximal to each other, and, uh-huh. and the distance from any home to the common home, you know, 100 or 200 yards at at most. So, I I think that there won't hopefully be too much trudging through snowdrifts in the dead of winter to to get to the common house. But when that does happen, I suspect that it will be to arrive at a, a cozy communal dinner with their with their neighbors, or to you know participate in a community yoga class or uh, you know, a, a shared music session, and and to me that sounds inviting. Coming in from the cold to a you know an intentional community group. So little entertainment get-togethers, exactly. little community meetings. Now yeah. speaking of community, who is going to be the owner of the neighborhood? Can that be said that there will be an owner the, of the neighborhood? The the occupants of the houses will be the owner of a neighborhood, just like any other subdivision. So it's the co-housing component is more of a theoretical, maybe even spiritual idea behind, I don't know if spiritual is the right word, but 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 physically this is just a neighborhood. The houses are a little bit smaller. They're a little bit more closely set and internally 
focused than than a traditional neighborhood. But at the end of the day, it's just a neighborhood. You buy a house, you own that house, and you own part of you're a part owner in the in the common space. Would you consider this if not a gated community, is it somehow a restricted community? No, I would not consider it that, but it certainly is is a neighborhood with common grounds that are owned by the neighbors, so it's not it's not you know that common green is not going to be a neighborhood park yeah uh, that is just public grounds uh, it's it's going to be private property in that sense uh-huh. we are building a path through the property that will have an easement to the YMCA so while currently this is just a dead end street with the or de- a property at the end of a dead end street with no through access to the YMCA we'll, we will be creating a through access to the YMCA we will be putting in a bike and pedestrian path that connects short street to that nature preserve to the east uh, although there are currently no paths through that nature preserve mm-hmm. but so we are creating some connectivity beyond just the short street piece and hopefully adding some value to the neighborhood in in that sense and that's an example of you working with the city to come to agreements on how the thing should look and how it should be because you didn't have the plan for the bike and walking path originally the city asked you for that yes that's correct how is this being financed currently through private financing so that you're borrowing money yes exactly right you're going to make your nut back by selling the homes we sure hope so (laughs) that's the risk (laughs) that that is the risk you know our, our we're we're not looking to make a bunch of money on it. We just hope that we don't lose any money on it. Why you? I guess to tell the story of how I came to be sitting in this chair and, and be leading the charge on this project. I attend the Unitarian Church periodically, and, and I was at church one day, I don't know, a year and a half ago, and uh, after service, a woman that I'd, I've known for years in the community uh, approached me and, and said, hey, I'm a part of this little housing community that we've been trying to get off the ground for years now, and, and it's just sort of stalled out, and, and I think you might be a good person to talk to and, and might be able to help us move the ball forward somehow. And she was a friend of mine, and so I agreed to meet with them. I wasn't particularly excited about it. I've never, I'm not a developer. I don't consider myself a developer anyway, and, and uh you know, it just seemed outside of the realm of what I do. But I, I went to this meeting and the original core group of co-housers who had, uh, you know, who had who had been on board since this first pass at the PUD several years prior, and uh, you know they they had the original design and some maps and renderings of the houses and they talked about the project. I'd never heard about co-housing. I didn't know what it was. Hmm. It sounded like some sort of maybe a commune, which, you know, I just didn't know. But as I... It was all new to you. It was all new to me, and I was skeptical. But I was really excited by the land that they had. It was just a really, really unique property. Several acres in in the middle of Bloomington, right next to the YMCA, right around the corner from the community gardens and the community orchard next door to the Montessori school and next you know nestled into the woods it just seemed very special for a very special for a community that where 
you know, empty lots and building areas at a premium. So that intrigued me. Uh, and then just the, the concept of smaller homes uh, and, and, and we're, you know, a, a connected neighborhood. It was unique and, and different and sort of spoke to uh, the value that, that we've placed over the years on this concept of building community. I don't know what that means per se, but, but we talk about it in, in our company and we try to invest in the community. So it, it pinged those things in my brain, the interest in the in the land and, and the interest in, um, you know, this, this intentional community aspect. And I was, uh, I would say, cautiously interested at the beginning. I wasn't uh, overly eager about becoming involved, but I, I started doing a little reading on, on co-housing and, and had some follow-up meetings. Got more and more excited around the idea of co-housing and the uh, and also the idea that I, I felt that Bloomington was the right community for a project like this. And so uh, my Uncle Rick, who works with me, and I went down to the National Co-Housing Conference two summers ago now, I, I guess, mm-hmm. in Nashville, Tennessee. It was uh, really eye-opening uh, and a little bit frightening. We visited a co-housing community there in, in Nashville, which was incredibly inspirational. It was just really, really neat to see how these folks interacted with each other and with the common space and with us. You met people. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, we did. We, In fact, my, my uncle and I ended up staying at, at you know, visiting with these co-housers in, in their, or, or, yeah, I guess you can call them co-housers, but these <laughs> folks in the community in their common house there until, I think, after midnight that, oh. that night. They were, I mean, you know, just fascinating conversation and hearing how they, you know, how it has impacted their life living in that community. And it was fun to be in that common house and watch people come in and out. And, uh, you know, interacted very much like a, a family. But my takeaway from that, that conference was, geez, this is going to be a tough thing to build. Uh-huh. I don't think we want to do it. <laughs> really? Yeah. So we came away just feeling a little daunted that, yeah. that uh you know, this might be more than we want to bite off, uh, both financially and and I think uh, in terms of the time time commitment and the risk. And so we sort of put it on the back burner. And I had one more follow up meeting with the ladies. And and uh, and you're still not officially no, tied in. You're just, not officially you're tied thinking. in at all. We've just they've they've been talking to us and we've been talking to them. But yeah. I had sort of benched it in my mind. And then fast forward six months, Marion reached out to me and she said, Lauren. I don't see us being able to build the the maybe the funds or or the uh, you know the group at this point to move it forward and and I'm ready to sell it. I'd like to sell it to you. I think that you're the right builder. I think that you guys could move this forward. And at that point, I felt conflicted. Still, I thought still risky. Still a lot to bite off here when we already have a company with with a lot of uh, balls rolling and and mm-hmm. people mouths to feed and and. You know, I take that commitment pretty seriously, and so there's some risk to my crew and, and company if this thing were to fail. Uh, but I also continued to feel that this was a, a project that was right for Bloomington, and with that impetus of Marion saying, I'm going to sell it, we're going to sell it, I thought, uh, all right, we'll take the leap. And so uh, I very quickly recalibrated my thinking on it <laughs> and and figured out financing and purchased the property and hired Ernesto and Mark to 
to resubmit the plan unit development. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but they acquired an additional piece of property contiguous to the, the original PUD that made it a better project just physically in terms yeah. of it rounding out this little dead-end corner. So You're up somewhere over three acres now. Yeah, yeah I believe it's yeah. three and a half. So, yeah. so we had to redesign the layout and flesh out the design of the houses and resubmit the PUD. And so that was a year ago now, I think, that or thereabouts. Um, fast forward to today, it's been a, it's been approved. You know, we're, we're finishing up the final nuts and bolts with the plat submittal. Uh, we have continued to do our homework and educate ourselves on co-housing. We visited, we went to a regional conference, uh, uh, Joel Kiefer um, from my team, and I went to the, a conference in, Denver, in Boulder, Colorado, and visited a couple of co-housing communities up there, which again was just very inspirational and it's theoretical. And and uh, when you're designing it and you're you're you know thinking about what this community is going to be like, it was wonderful to actually visit. I think the one we visited in Fort Collins, Colorado, was maybe the first one in the United States. It was built over 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, we actually chatted with a there was a, a young man maybe in his mid 20s. Uh, who just happened to be there that day? He was visiting his his mom. Uh, he's moved away, and um, so it was really neat to talk to this young man who had grown up as a child, been raised in the in the co housing neighborhood and community, and see him in, interacting with these folks in the community that he'd grown up with, and. Um, you know that was that was really special, not just to visit the neighborhood, but to have the opportunity to talk to this to this man and and hear his experiences. And and he mentioned the same thing that you quoted there earlier. He said that he f- feels like he had a, a bunch of adult role models. That of course he had his mom and his dad who mm-hmm. represented certain ways of being adults, but he said he also you know had these other adults who. Who were different from his parents, but but also, you know, acted as role models and as auxiliary parents. And he he felt like his experience as a child growing up in the world was broader from that perspective. You came to town in the nineties. I did uh, yeah. mid nineties. Yeah, and you were not a builder. You were a math teacher. I was a math teacher. Where did you teach? I taught for the bulk of that, uh, for the bulk of my teaching career at Aurora Alternative High School, which uh-huh. was a public alternative high school under the uh, Monroe County Community School Corporation umbrella. Uh, it was a wonderful little school. You know, we worked with kids who had not been successful in the traditional school settings. Um, and and that was w- why I had gone into education. I wanted to work with kids who who struggled in school, and uh, and I had the opportunity for for a long time, and and loved it, and loved the relationships that I built with the kids, and and with the with the teachers, and with the community at, at large. Uh, but simultaneous simultaneously, I was taking on more and more construction projects, and uh, reading everything I could about building. I just uh, found the the building process to be incredibly fascinating and, mm-hmm. and rewarding, and I had this idea that I would build my own house someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like a pipe dream, but I thought I'm gonna you know get all the experience I can. Being a teacher and having summers off gave me an opportunity to uh-huh. work for other builders. I uh, so it was for, a part time thing. You were yes. making a little extra money. Yep. 
Yeah. And then at some point, there were some budget cuts in the school corporation. At that point, I'd been, after a brief foray into graduate school, I came back and I'd been teaching for 10 years at that point. And uh, one of my colleagues you know, they're, they're, they're cutting about 10% of the teaching staff here in MCCSC. And a lot of the first year teachers were getting rift, they called it, or cut, you know, yeah, be, yeah. Uh, due to these layoffs. And one of my colleagues said, I think I'm going to take a leave of absence so that one of the new teachers doesn't get cut and, and uh, give me an opportunity to try something, try something else. And, and I thought, holy smokes, I could do that too. Oh. It had never occurred to me. I didn't have a plan to quit teaching. I, I, it was not part of my long-term vision for myself. It just, uh, you know, my my colleague had this idea, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that too. <laughs> Life does <laughs> and, funny things, doesn't it? And so it? I took a leave of absence, and, in you know, under my contract at the time, every four years you could take a leave of absence if, if you uh, wanted to. And so I, I took a leave of absence, and I... I borrowed some money and I built a house. And it, would that be your own house? No, no, okay, no, that was not. Different. It was just uh-huh. a, a spec house, as you call them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, speculating that someone was going to buy it from me when I was done, and and that was a huge learning experience. Uh, but but one of the first things I learned during that experience was that I I really really loved building, and and uh, you know, within a month I knew that I wasn't going back anytime soon to teaching. That I I just was very you know emotionally immersed and felt very positive about that move uh, and and so that was what launched me into the into my current building career when will the first people be able to move in to the Bloomington co-housing community I would say late next year you know this winter we're going to be putting in the the infrastructure the sewer water on-site streets and parking and and building out the community house yeah. the common house that is and 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 refurbishing that cabin um and then we plan to build in three waves uh starting late this winter uh mm-hmm. with with six or eight homes and then later next year with an additional six or eight and then the final wave or two the following year so we you know best case scenario we'd like to have this neighborhood done in two two and a half years we're incredibly excited about the co-housing project we think that it's going to complement the work that we the custom construction work that we already do and we're just really really excited to be a part of an intentional community like uh like this and and the idea that we're building something that um, you know, and it's not just a house that's going to be a core community that's going to move on into the future and, and just really, really excited to be uh, to be a part of that and to, and to start seeing that take shape. So excited to, to put a shovel on the ground, excited to start building houses. And if, if people are interested in the co-housing community, uh, right now there's a co-housing Facebook page, Bloomington Co-Housing, mm-hmm. and that has the up-to-date information uh, through today and, and very soon as we as we start construction of the homes we will um, you know we'll flesh out a website that'll have more information and people are welcome to come to Lornwood Builders website or, or call us or email us we're easy to find on the internet just google it uh, and, and I'd love to talk to people who are interested. My guest this week has been Lauren Wood of Lauren Wood Builders he is the person who's putting together building from the ground up the Bloomington Co-Housing Project down on South Maxwell Street. The shovels should be turning any week now. Lauren, thanks for joining us on Big Talk. 
Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk about this project. Mm -hmm.